We have a lot of cool stuff planned for season three. Being proud of who you are no matter what you do. You definitely see the characters progress a lot more. They start growing up. I think Ginger and Darren are endgame. It is a masterpiece of an episode. Oh, it's the cattiest moment in the history of television. Trust me, everybody has been excited for our thoughts on it. Who's the girl in the pink capri? It's Courtney! It's Courtney! Hello everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of We're In Between, the podcast that discusses about every single episode of Us Told by Ginger once a week. Last week we discussed about the episode Dodie's Big Break, and this week we're going to be discussing about episode 56, which is called Battle of the Bands. And if you're thinking about, oh, is it going to be like Battle of Rock Bands? Nope, you're going to be sadly disappointed. This episode debuted on, well, actually, no, this episode never debuted on the U.S., so, <laughs> sorry. This episode debuted on, actually, no. <laughs> yeah, this episode debuted, never. Great. I'm going to use that in the season four theme song. I'm going to pull that quote. <laughs> you know, we might as well do one anyway, so, yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> okay, but no, seriously, this episode, this is actually one of two episodes um, as of 2016 that has not aired on the U.S., uh, but this episode was written by Adam Cohen. <laughs> when Ginger learns that the band program is being cut in order to pay for the football team's stain-resistant uniforms, she becomes angry and decides to start a petition to bring the band back, claiming that she is doing it to help Macy. Darren, who wants to keep the uniforms, starts a campaign against Ginger to keep them. As the two groups fight it out over the issue, Ginger begins to realize that the real reason she is hanging on to her side of the argument is to get back at Darren. Carl, who made a promise to be good once he reached middle school, has been hearing voices in his head telling him to be bad. He and Hoodsy use a loophole in their pact to cause problems at the high school instead and end up interfering with Ginger's plan to make a statement and the at the football game. Right before we talk about today's episode, we're going to be reading the comments from you guys from episode 53 through 56. We're going to talk about episode 53, which was detention. Um, not a lot of comments with this one compared to the others, but um, makes a lot of sense because this isn't like the more dramatic stuff. Okay, let's start off with our comment with Magical Peach Internet, who says, I think Ginger is relying on a lot of TV plots where she's afraid of Darren being so disappointed that she didn't do one small thing that'll leave her or having to tell him to make the game because uh, it makes her feel like a bad girlfriend. So asking Dodie to do that was the way of showing support but wasn't well planned out. Why does Dodie have the wig? And Darren, how could you completely forget about Macy, the one person outside of this fiasco who, who, who you can talk to? Instead, he hangs out with his new friends. Simone and Darren were in the wrong, yada, yada, yada. And I think there was a catalyst in why he chose to distance himself from Ginger and for Dodie. For the first time, Darren realizes that he has options for girls liking him. Am I the only one who found it odd that Ginger was giving essentially in school suspension for falling asleep in class from the way the teachers framed it? Ginger was being persecuted for vandalism or class disruption. 
I think Reverse Zorsky is being hard on her for all of her class, especially Ginger, because pressure turns gold, uh, coal into diamond. Lois needs to have a talk with both teachers on Ginger's behalf, especially after that last episode. Ginger waved it off, saying that she needs to take care of it because she's a teenager now, but support systems are the building blocks of a healthy person's life. Plus, we don't see a lot of Lois intervening the school and social crisis, so it would have been nice to see her take Ginger's teachers down a peg or ten. Yeah, that's actually a pretty interesting comment there. Thank you so much for that magical peach internet. Uh, we have a comment from Courtney Davis who says, There were a few times I got detention, but I got most of them because I have an e, um, an IEP. It's something for people who have disabilities that allows me to do things other people can't. I got some detention from being late to class and turning in assignments late. I don't have a problem like Ginger has, though, because all the teachers, um, they loved me. They still remember me. But I do understand how she felt about the other students because I got bullied so much in school that both of my parents and my younger sister had to step in to help me out. And by the way, I have CP. Thank you for reading my comment. It made me happy, and my mom was happy, too. So thank you, Courtney. Thank you very much for that. Yeah, that's a lovely thought. Um, we have a comment from that Miss Quinn who says, I did like the breakfast club joke from the teacher when he said, I'd make you write a paper on who you think you are, but the thought of finding out terrifies me. So sit quietly for six hours. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, now that I think about it, it does kind of feel like it's uh, supposed to be uh, an homage to the breakfast club, similar to how Ginger is going to detention and the, 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 the vice principal is against her and she's surrounded by a whole bunch of other people who are um, not friends with one another. I, I do kind of see that similarity, but it's, it's kind of a little bit different in which um, it stands on its own. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that comparison at all, but I totally see it now. Yeah, me too. Also, Crazy Cat Lady mentioned, please let me know about the Nickelodeon cookbook. I'll do a review on it on my channel. Uh, <laughs> um, well, we'll see, Crazy Cat Lady. I mean, no promises. We have a comment from Maria Santiago, who says, One of the most interesting transitions we see in Season 3 is the transition from Courtney being one of the most popular girls in school to footballers and cheerleaders being the top of the social hierarchy, which is typical for high school. Courtney's popularity seems practically non-existent. In fact, this is where she really starts to go through a downfall. Well, don't worry. We'll, we'll talk about that in the next couple of weeks, so stay tuned. Um, and also, uh, Maria Santiago actually brought up this interesting comment. She said, It's quite sad that it only aired on 2016 in the States, because in Brazil, this episode first aired in July 12, 2004. Yeah, the, I still can't figure out the whole the show airing in different times and years in different countries. None of it makes sense to me. I've kind of given up. Yeah, um, don't worry. I'm sure maybe Emily will give us the answer to that. Maybe, maybe that should be one of my questions. Yeah, write it down. All right, so let's go over to our next um, episode, which is Kiss Today Goodbye. We have a comment from Frosty who says, I really like this one. And because I'm a filthy, doty apologist, I have to say that I feel like she was the best, that she did the best thing that she could in this situation. How would Ginger have reacted to Dodie telling her about Simone? It's not like Dodie and Ginger have a great history when it comes to the whole dating Darren thing, cough, cough, would you game. But if she told Ginger about he and Simone, would Ginger have believed it? Also, big compliments to whoever is actually editing these. You always do a great, great job, and I love how you change the end theme along with the show. 
That's all Patricia, and I love that too. Yes, I I am the uh, yeah as mentioned before um, that all three of us play a big contribution to this besides being the co-host. Um, I do the editing. Casey um, does the intro, and Ashley was the one who did the logo. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Although Patricia certainly puts in the most time, so we really uh, appreciate that, and clearly the listeners do too. Yes, yeah, so thank you so much for that, everybody. Uh, we have another comment from Nathan uh, Spradlin, who says, "From my memory of watching this episode, I really thought that the twist at the end of the uh, at the end, the audience thinking Dodie was writing the letter to Ginger, but it was actually to Darren. I thought it was beautifully written. I honestly did not see it coming. However, Dodie trying to basically weasel her way into the squad was very shady." But knowing what she had to do in this episode where she did the daily announcements, spreading rumors around people to get noticed, I really wouldn't have put it past her to try to suck up to get in. I was hope I will hopefully have more to say when you review episode 54, which I hope ties in with Detention and Kiss Today Goodbye, which it does. P.S. In your rela- in relation to your Nickelodeon rant, there is a show I love called Mysticons. However, much like any show that isn't the big yellow sponge, if the ratings are slipping or maybe don't care for it, they shove it over to their secondary channels, which is why I didn't realize they moved to a channel I didn't have, one of my subscription. That's unfortunately Nickelodeon's mentality right now, and I'm afraid it won't change anytime soon. I really hope to hear your thoughts on the next episode. Thank you for shining a light on a classy Chupo cartoon I have never watched, and I hope to explain that in your review of The Wedding Frame. Well, I look forward to that, I guess. That's cryptic. Yes. Um, we have an actual. We are not. We actually have an interesting comment slash question from Jessica Victoria Carrillo, who says, "I know that cheating is a hard thing to come clean with. I think I would have encouraged the cheater to be honest. As for the talk of diet fads, I definitely knew it from Mad Men because the more middle-aged ladies started to have um were starting to have lunch or breakfast." They sometimes had a Danish or a bagel, which seemed became which seemed less became become twiggy and more try to maintain my body weight in an age where women aren't encouraged in sports and become and because fashions are difficult. Do you think that as told by Ginger should have done the diet thing a little bit better because their aimed audience was adolescent girls vulnerable to the pressure to be thin? I just want to let you know, Jessica, as somebody who has struggled with her weight for years, that is a very, very hard thing to pull off. There have been a few episodes of various cartoons that have done it right and some that have done it wrong. And uh, with Ginger's case, I mean, sure, we've had Lois struggling with her weight and losing it so that she can get herself ready for the wedding. But I felt that um, it wasn't like a major issue that I would have liked to see tackled. Right. Well, I'm curious, Patricia, have you seen the, as told by, or sorry, the My Life is a Teenage Robot episode that kind of deals with uh, dieting and self-image? Yes, I have. Uh, If you're talking about where Jenny is going through quote-unquote puberty, I have. Uh, It's actually a little different. It's uh, where she basically realized, it's called Victim of Fashion, and it's like a fashion Oh, okay, I'm sorry. But yeah, this one's about her, like, shedding her useful tools to yes. try to look skinnier. I thought that was a really interesting way to handle it. Yes, that that was very interesting, absolutely. And, um, you know, she becomes a thinner robot, but she can't fight crime, which is what, right, she, was exactly. programmed, which was what she was programmed for in the first place. 
Mm-hmm. And, yeah, um, and it was extra clever because robots literally can't lose or gain weight without explicitly affecting their, you know, like you have to choose it. Uh, I thought that was really clever. And yeah, I don't know if, as told by Ginger, did it perfectly. And I think it's fair to raise questions about this episode in that regard. That is true. We've had, um, there have been a lot of Nicktoons that have dealt with weight loss. Like uh, there was an episode of Doug in which when Doug was visiting his grandmother, he put on a few pounds and he had to lose weight for a a pool party. There's an episode of Hey Arnold where Harold is eating a lot of Mr. Fudgy bars because um, he's, uh, uh, you know, there was a bet involving that if he ate 50 Mr. Fudgies, then he would win a quarter. Um, Then let's see, there's there's probably a few others that I can't think of on the top of my head, but yeah, weight issues have been tackled in Nickelodeon before, but yeah, if if it wasn't Lois who was going through the weight issues, and if it was maybe somebody like Dodie or Macy or maybe like some uh, maybe like Courtney who is pressured to be thin, I would that would be kind of interesting to see. But for the most part, um, the stuff that they did tackle in, such as like divorce and death and suicidal depression. Um, and, you know, cheating and heartbreaks. I think that the show is just, is just um, is more than enough uh, dramatic that it doesn't need something like that. I think you're right. It might, have been, it might have been trying to do too much if it really tackled that fully. Yes, I think so. Um, we have a question from HeartLover1717 who says, What the heck was Dodie thinking having such a letter delivered to Darren before the game? Oh, that's right. Dodie's only thinking about the pep squad. Her self-esteem so low, she's become a doormat to the entire organization. Let's see. In detention, Ginger has Dodie stand in for her in the game instead of being honest with Darren about why she couldn't be there. Then, on the night Dodie mentioned in her letter, Ginger was at the game but not fully present. Darren, feeling unsupported for by his girlfriend, turns to Simone, who's fully into football and supportive of his participation. Darren doesn't bother to break up with ginger trust me folks if everyone is honest with each other to begin with there will be less heartache in the end yep growing up is hard to do two things come to mind whenever i watch this episode number one the opening music which reminds me of the beginning of a tina turner song called what's love got to do with it uh before it segues into uh splinter in my heart and number two, uh, what Casey mentioned in um, uh, A Lesson in Tightrope was the title of the episode, which is the first big line of a song called, a chorus line, called What I Did for Love. One song contains the lyrics, who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? And the other, we did what we had to do, won't forget, can't regret what I did for love. My point, I guess, is that I usually keep these songs in mind when considering to what happens in these episodes. Also, is it me or do Ginger and Orion have great chemistry and Carl Foutley is a sweetheart? Another standout comment from our good pal, Heart Lover. I've <laughs> been there right since the beginning. Uh, yeah, and I think you beat me to it in the comments. I hadn't read this, but I did mention that in, was it the next week in A Lesson in Tightropes? Yes. I mentioned about the title and chorus line. Yes, yes, you did. Yeah, and I think it is that that line specifically, the, you know, we did what we had to do, won't forget, can't regret what I did for love. Yeah, I'm sure Ginger is asking herself a lot of questions like that. And while in a chorus line, they're not talking about romantic love, they're talking about, you know, what would you do if they could, if you couldn't dance anymore? The, the, the sentiment of it is the same. Yeah, pretty much. All right, so let's see. Uh, we have a comment from 
uh, Pocketbook, who says, If you recall when you guys had Aspen on the podcast almost a year ago, this is what she said she thought Dodie's worst moment was, getting between Ginger and Darren's relationship by writing the letter. Um, I'm not sure if this is Dodie's worst moment. Um, other episodes include Of Lice and Friends, Wicked Game, and a certain episode you'll be discussing about in two weeks. All had Dodie acting way worse than this. At least here she's trying to do something nice for Ginger, even if she got caught in between and uh, between that and something else. I'm not sure why Aspen thought this was her worst moment. Um, also, I can't think, uh, but I can't help but think about the pet ferret running gag as a reference to the Psycho Ferret pilot, which was a pilot Klasky Chupo made in 2001 that never made it past the pitch. And um, he also um, requests that maybe we can discuss about that in a Rejected Nick Pilots Part 2. <laughs> that sounds familiar, but <laughs> that hasn't aired yet, so I won't say that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's a pretty bad, unforgivable... Oh, uh, actually, you know what? I disagree with that, with Aspen. I, d I think this is one of Dodie's best moments, writing this letter. It's nosy, but ultimately it's one of the more adult things I think she ever does, because she's not doing it for gossip. She's doing it to, ha to help and to fix a uh, broken situation. Yeah, I definitely do agree. Trust me, um, I mean, Pocketbook did, said it best. Dodie acts way worse in other episodes. So, sorry, Aspen, right. as much as we love you, um, we <laughs> kind of disagree with this. But I see why it could be viewed as, you know, not Dodie's place. Because at the end of the day, it really isn't. It should be on Ginger and Darren to work this out themselves. But they refuse to. So Dodie steps in because she's a fixer or a breaker, depending on the situation. Sure. <laughs> Final comment for this episode comes from No Parking Barry, and he asks, Hey guys, I'm back. Sorry that I've been absent from the comment section for the past few weeks. Trust me, I, as a generally passionate As Told by Ginger fan, am disappointed with myself for not sharing my thoughts on the episodes regularly. As for this week's episode, I rate it with a meh. Sure, while it is among the more tolerable high school episodes, as well as a decent doty episode overall, there are still some problems that I must address. One thing I'll give this episode respect for, besides Carl and Lois's story, is how it's a rare instance where Dodie tries to do a useful thing for Ginger as her friend by telling her what's been going on between Darren and that bimbo cheerleader. Unfortunately, Dodie still screws up uh, being a half-decent BFF because of Pep Squad being in her life. You see, near the end of the story where Dodie stands right in front of Ginger telling her that G Darren's cheating with Simone, only for the cheerleaders to tell Dodie that she gets to open the football game with the microphone, leading Dodie to cartwheel like a five-year-old who's fed nothing but Skittles and crushed soda. And the most stupid girl could do is to give Darren a lengthy letter, which leads to him breaking up with Ginger, which leads to Ginger dying from a, almost dying from appendicitis, which is the premise of the most depressing episode in the entire series. In short, no matter what, Dodie would always have her place, uh, have her needs placed before her friends. At best, how she uses the one chance to be a better friend was kind of half-assed. And with that, I don't blame Aspen for saying the events of this episode was um, Dodie at her worst. Of course, I disagree, but I understand why. And like you said, Patricia, as great as About Face was, real uh, realistically speaking, the lesson learned at the end turned out to be pointless. Oh, and this is less serious, but I hate the part where Dodie slams on her, slams the door on her little brother's face. Like, geez, Dodie, Je Hoodsy was generally impressed with your subpar pep squad moves. It wasn't like he was booing you. 
Um, as my buddy Norbert pointing out, we very rarely see Dodie and Hoodsy bond. This could have been a sweet moment here, but nope. Okay, I think I rented enough. Carl and Lois's subplot was much sweeter, especially with the part where Carl admits he wants to responsibly use that time as his last duty as man of the house before Dr. Dave steps in. This was one of Carl's sweetest moments and a perfect example about how he's not your average Bart Simpson wannabe. Overall, this <laughs> I know. Overall, this episode is decent, I like the subplot, and I'm honestly amused with both of the use of Dodie's POV and how this is probably the only time Hoodsy isn't next to Carl. However, due to the problems that I talked about with Dodie, it's held back from being a good one. Next week, you better grab some tissues, Casey. <laughs> Fair enough. I made it out. I <laughs> didn't need the tissues, but it sure was a DVC. Um, I just couldn't help but laugh at the Bart Simpson wannabe. I've never thought of that comparison, but it's so true. But Carl is a, very, a unique character in his own right. But going off of, like, the pilot, you know, it's uh, which, again, I keep getting ahead of myself. Viewers haven't watched the pilot yet. <laughs> um, based on, you know, how the character started, he could have been a Bart Simpson wannabe, but he's not. All right, so let's go over to our next um, episode, which is A Lesson in Tightropes. And my God, do we have a lot of comments for this. Uh, we'll start things off with uh, Dylan Kemelay, who says, I absolutely love this episode. I remember when I was in high school, I totally empathized with Ginger's mindset. Who she is if it meant that Darren would stay with her or try to be more like Simone. From a character standpoint, this might have to do with the fact that Ginger and Darren have been in each other's lives for so long and were so close that she loses sight on who she is at the thought of him leaving. Um, we have a comment from Kevin K who says, This was indeed a very good episode. It gives the audience a lot to think about. How life can just fall apart suddenly and even amidst devastation, there's hope and signs of a future going forward. I sort of feel bad for Jonas. Even after having to step out of his family, he gets to meet the man who will be the new dad. Even if it's not met with animosity i can't imagine that being easy for a father yeah it's a tough scene yes absolutely it is it's still a very tough scene and it's one of the most memorable for a reason absolutely uh, we have a comment from Jasmine the Dreamer who says, uh, I always wondered in earlier episodes how Jonas' relationship to Carl was because in the few episodes we had with Ginger and him together, Carl never seemed to be involved or seemed to actively ignore him. As far as I remember, that's the first episode where Carl admits about how he feels about his dad. Before this episode, I always wondered if Carl's father was someone else both uh, because both Jonas and him never showed any interest in each other. This episode answered my question. Uh, this episode answered the question perfectly to me, and also that's one of the As Told by Ginger episodes that I always remember throughout the years, because the situation is so dramatic. Yeah, and uh, Jasmine, we will be talking about another episode involving with um, Carl and Jonas in the next couple of weeks, and it should definitely answer some more questions for you. Uh, here we go. Uh, we have another comment from Nathan Spradlin who says. As I said in my comment in Kiss Today Goodbye, I was going to tie it in with Detention, Kiss Today Goodbye, um, Detention, Kiss Today Goodbye, and now A Lesson in Tyrobes. Because the fact that Ginger had detention for falling asleep during a test in Suffolkilia, she was unable to attend Darren's football game. This would ultimately have them break up in A Lesson in Tyrobes, which this ended Ginger having a, um, appendicitis and having her being hospitalized. The remark of Carl being an atheist really surprised me. 
It never occurred to me that Nicktoon characters could be atheists. Sure, I've seen religious remarks in Rograds, but I never thought that there would be a reverse in Nicktoons. The conversation between Jonas and Dr. Dave was very powerful, and I loved it. Uh, from what I've heard in an even Stephen Holiday special, um, now I have context with why Carl had resentment towards his biological father, and I understand his motives for keeping Lois and Dr. Dave together, since he obviously sees him as a much better father figure than Jonas. I'm so sad to see this end, and I'm looking forward to how this series eventually wraps up. Thank you for reviewing this series, and I'm definitely looking forward to Dodie's Big Break and The Wedding Frame. Okay, I'm going to read off one more comment, and this is from Amira Isby, who says, When Carl tells Dr. Dave he'd rather stay with him, it was so touching and made me think that was the moment in which Carl grew up as a character. Because his father was not in the picture, he had to man up for his mother's sake. And because Dr. Dave came in the picture, he felt some security, and that came in full circle starting from Kiss Today Goodbye, in which Carl stated that house hunting was the final act for him of being man of the house before he passed the torch to Dr. Dave. This became to be, which um, he tells Dr. Dave he'd rather stay with him than go to his mom and Jonas, even holding his hand as a symbol, in my opinion, of letting his wall down. All right, um, now that we have that done, we're going to be reading off the last set of comments, and this is from episode 55, Dodie's Big Break. And well, Casey, since this is a Dodie-centric episode and a lot of people said that this was one of the worst instances of the character, guess what? We have a lot of comments with it. Our first comment comes from Theater Raven, who says, I agree with Casey. This episode raised a huge flag in regards to Ginger and Macy's relationship with Dodie, as if there weren't flags before. One of the reasons, as told by Ginger, she's a good show, is because it presents tough issues to its target audience that a lot of kids' shows wouldn't dare tackle. With that in mind, I'm surprised and disappointed that the writers didn't have Ginger and Macy cut Dodie out of their lives to show that not all friendship would stand the test of time. Dodie repeatedly keeps showing that she's willing to abandon them when it would further her own ambition and after a while, their willingness to forgive her becomes insufferable. She's not your friend, Ginger and Macy. Move on. We have a comment from Nasaya Lucero who says, This episode is a meh for me. It's not a bad episode, but not a good one either. With Dodie being Dodie, what can you do? At least Dodie does get her karma in the end. That the good part of this episode was that Dodie had to deal with the consequences instead of the usual where she gets off scot-free and doesn't pay for what she does. You're absolutely right, Nasaya. You do have an excellent point on that. Uh, we have another comment from Kevin K, who says, I like to give this one a slight yay because of how realistic it felt. Around this age group, you really start to show off your dark slash flawed side. You want to start things, and even if it means doing deceiving people. It's the first time where you know it's wrong, but you do it anyway in a planned out matter, and you put effort into doing something bad. It's a nice contrast with how Ginger went through changes, both physical and emotional, while Dodie doesn't really change at all. I knew girls back in high school who were like this, and even some guys who would carry out a big lie to get what they wanted. In a way, you have to admire someone willing to go to the extremes to get what they want. That's actually, really put, that's actually a really excellent point there, Kevin K. Thank you for bringing that up. Definitely something to think about. We have a comment from eGirl371 who says, Nickelodeon is just trying to mess with us with the whole, let's not air episodes for over 10 years, but then when we finally air it, it's messed up. 
But back to what's important. I think Dodie is so desperate for attention that she doesn't care how she gets it. At least while she's in the gopher suit, people are watching her and adoring her. We've also seen her become an attention hog in other episodes, like whenever she tries to ditch Ginger to be with Courtney, Miranda, and Mipsy, aka Courtney Light, or when she's trying to overshadow Ginger. I don't know if she's so needy for attention because Joanne is so worried about Hoodsy, or because she just has an overinflated ego. But Dodie needs to step off and chill. We have a comment from Heartlover1717 who said, Dodie's big break, leg, opportunity, or mental. Looks like evil new Zorsky's still kicking ass. During Dodie's deception, it seems some of the squad were aware. um, E.g. the reaction of the girl after the book fell on Dodie's lap. Dodie even says during Ginger and Macy's intervention, so I don't get why they shun her after she comes clean. Did you also notice that Hoosie wasn't so impressed with Carl's venture into real estate? Carl becomes so disillusioned after seeing Buddy in action and then tells him off. This is proof that whatever Carl is up to, he's not trying to cause actual harm. I think Ginger and Orion have great chemistry. I can't believe this is almost over. I'm already missing this great journey. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to definitely miss doing We're In Between. And I know a lot of people are going to miss it as well. And we just want to let you know that is very, very sweet. And we cannot thank you enough for all of your amazing support. Okay, we have two more comments to read. Uh, We're going to read one from Cameron Biggs, who says, Until you brought up Phoebe Breaks a Leg, that comparison didn't really cross my mind, and it does make more sense. I was mostly thinking of Angelica Breaks a Leg from Rugrats. Really? There's only five more episodes left? I'm getting so excited. This podcast has been a total ride. Thank you. Thank you, Cameron, for listening and for leaving your amazing comments. Uh, We do read them all, and we really do appreciate that. And um, as for Angelica Breaks a Leg, uh, she was breaking her leg on purpose to get attention because she felt like she wasn't getting any but uh, any from the, um, you know from Stu, Didi and Tommy. She's not trying to reach like a particular goal like she wants to be involved in something. Uh, so I guess maybe that would be kind of an example on that, but I I mean I think that with Phoebe Breaks a Leg it's very similar when it comes to the plot. Our final comment comes from Codebox42 who says I was waiting for this episode. This is, in my opinion, the worst episode of As Told by Ginger. And surprise, it's the one where Dodie's at her absolute worst. As I stated before, Dodie's obsession with cheerleading is basically her old obsession with popularity, but to worse degrees. This is the episode that kind of crushed any hopes of Dodie ever changing as a person because she's going to betray Macy and Ginger all over again. And unfortunately, it doesn't get any better in the next episode, Battle of the Bands, either. This is even worse than Wicked Game. In the previous episode, Ginger had her appendix burst and was hospitalized. So how does this episode start off? Dodie immediately showing no concern or sympathy towards Ginger's situation. She literally shows up towards Ginger just to brag about how much attention she's getting after being the high school's official mascot for the cheerleading squad. When Dodie presumably breaks her leg while falling over while cheering with the cheerleading squad, what does it lead to? It leads to the entire school and the cheerleading squad garnering sympathy towards Dodie's simply broken leg. Meanwhile, Ginger is completely ignored for her own situation. 
it sort of makes the main plot hypocritical. She outright forgets and neglects and has her cheerleader friends act rude toward them. Then when Ginger and Macy find out that Dodie had faked being crippled and lied to the entire cheerleading squad simply so she can get attention, she once immediately expects the audience to side with Dodie because Dodie had to fake being crippled and lie so she can cheat her way to the top. She feels working hard wouldn't get her anywhere. Then she outright tells Ginger that even if Ginger exposes her lie, the cheerleaders will defend her. And when Ginger and Macy confront her and demand Dodie to tell the truth, how does Dodie respond? She decides to rat out her supposed best friends by telling them that the cheerleading squad Ginger and Macy abused her cripple facade. So then Ginger and Macy finally trick Dodie into confessing the truth. Dodie rightfully gets scolded by the cheerleader coach. You would think, well, she got what she had deserved, can't be too bad, right? Nope. Instead, the episode takes a nosedive and instantly has Ginger regret making Dodie confess because of a status quo is God. And then Ginger decides to get the coach to go easy on Dodie. All she wanted to do was to have her goal come true, instantly forgetting Dodie lied, cheated, and outright neglected and fake being crippled, just to leave her best friend behind because she got the attention she desired. It has nothing to do with pursuing a goal at all. And the moral seems to be, working hard is... Since hard work is too hard, if you cheat your way to the top and have someone clean up the mess, your efforts will be rewarded with second chances. Also, Miranda's small appearance in this episode kind of showcased my earlier points of not only her and Courtney drifting away as friends, but how absent the popular crowd has become. This is basically her only appearance in the second half of season three and doesn't get a new design until the finale. If you could already tell, this episode is a massive nay. The only saving graces to me were Macy's line and Carl's subplot involving real estate and Hoodsies with Dr. Dave. Both were refreshing and interesting, even getting a couple of laughs out of me. I could see how it would be a meh, but Dodie's plot frustrated me and gave her a final nail in the coffin. Once again, thank you so much for your elaborate com comments, Codebox42. And yes, we definitely did agree that Dodie's plot was definitely her lowest point in the entire series and that she didn't really deserve a second chance, especially with everything that she was going through. But um, I guess because of um, Carl's plot, it did kind of um, soften the blow for us a bit. But don't worry, we do admit that this episode is not exactly the best that the show has to offer. Alright everybody, that's it for the comments. Right before we go over to the discussion of this week's episode, I have three more announcements. Uh, number one, we want to give a special congratulations to Aspen Vincent, who is the voice of Dodie, whom we've had before on our podcast back last April. She just recently given birth to a baby boy named Jet Dylan Vincent. If you wish to send her your congratulations, then you can tweet at her at Aspen Vincent, or you can follow her on Instagram. The second announcement I want to give out is I want to give a special shout out to someone that we were really close to having as a guest on the podcast, but due to unfortunate circumstances, mostly due to my part, which I wish not to discuss about, he declined on becoming a guest on the podcast. And that person was Bob Deaver. Uh, he was the character designer supervisor for As Told by Ginger, and he was the one responsible for creating Noelle Sussman. You may have heard his name when we were having the storyboard artist reunion podcast uh, please go check out his work one of which i'm gonna leave a link to in the description box below and on top it is a song that he has written called and she was gone where he writes about noelle sussman 
And finally, last but certainly not least, we are fast approaching our deadline for you to leave out your question for Emily Kapnick, the creator of As Told by Ginger. It will be ending this Sunday, February 18th, and we'll be interviewing her on the 25th, and it'll be coming out on the 28th, which will be coming out a day after our Season 3 recap. So please send in your questions as quickly as you can at whereinbetween.freeforms.net and you'll be able to read off uh, the rules regarding to leaving your question for Emily. Alright everybody, that's it with the comments. Thank you so much for leaving off your amazing feedback towards We're In Between. We have one more set of comments to read and that'll be coming at the end of the month. Hope that you guys enjoyed Enjoy the rest of the podcast and see you for the last time this coming month. Holy crap, this episode. Oh god, out of all the episodes in season three, I was definitely not looking forward to watching this one. Right. I just And I was so excited because a music budget being slashed for football is a really interesting concept, one that I can get behind and one that I was excited for it to go there. And in a way it does. I I think Ginger voices what my concerns are about funding for the arts and about how it's kind of a funny but upsetting because it's true concept that the football players getting new new sweatproof uniforms is more important than having a band program like it's so egregious and schools have gotten away with worse so this episode was kind of depressing for me as someone who cares deeply about arts education yeah, and it's even more depressing for me that we have yet another episode where Ginger is involved with a cause to help out the school, but it ends up becoming completely bad, and she doesn't listen to reason on it. Yeah, she kind of has like a reverse Midas touch when it comes to school causes, doesn't she? Yeah, so this episode reminded me of sibling revelry, and you know how much I feel about that. So yeah, let's get this over with. We get Courtney back, that's a good way to start. Unfortunately, Courtney's treated like crap in this episode. She really is, yeah, jeez. Yeah, and this is another reason why a lot of people don't like season three, is because for a lot of people who are huge Courtney fans... Courtney gets the shaft, and it doesn't end up well when she's talking to her mom on her cell phone in the bathroom, and the cheerleaders decide to take, um, they they decide that, you know, they weren't going to be talked down by a freshman. And, and of course, it doesn't really help much that, you know, Courtney is saying that one of the cheerleaders' cheekbones looks nice, but then her nose looks really large or something, and so they decide that they were going to grab her $2,000 cell phone and throw it in the toilet, and then they have her then they they hear her other cell phone ring and they throw that into the toilet and then they shove her into the garbage can and roll it away which is definitely giving me the hey arnold um longest monday episode vibes in which fourth graders are being shoved into the trash by the fifth graders wow yeah that's specific well yeah, this episode, and like you said, with the title Battle of the Bands, I really was expecting something different from this episode. <laughs> I was expecting, like, the Jimmy Neutron Battle of the Bands. Yeah, exactly. Like, I I mean, you know, uh, like, Battle of the Bands. I assume that, hey, maybe Ginger and Orion are going to be competing against other bands from other schools. Wouldn't that be awesome? Uh-huh. But no, it sucks. <laughs> And I, yeah, I, I was confused at first, and then I was like, oh, I get it. It's a band battle, you know, and it seems like a missed opportunity with Ginger being, you know, in a uh, band. I will say gr- a great moment from our music friend, Jared. 
the the coach is explaining to the principal why they need these sweatproof uniforms and there's this like muzak kind of elevator music playing in the background and he's like what ginger just said is fine but here's why we really need these and it's just like do 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 this like little light elevator music i just thought it was really funny to highlight just how basic this guy was being yeah I mean, he pretty much just was simple and to the point he scored a ketchup on both of the uniforms and then he just rinsed it with a bucket with water and then that was it and then the principal's like he has a very compelling point so yeah it pretty much starts off with macy being cut off from the band and the budget is being slashed because of said football uniforms that are stain resistant and uh ginger is actually really shocked and she wants to help macy to um you know get back in the band and she wants to fight off against these stain resistant uniforms but as this as these as the episode progresses it becomes less about fighting for macy and more about getting revenge on darren which again i i mean i guess i can kind of understand because darren wasn't really there when she was uh in the hospital in a lesson in tightropes and even though he was there and he was attempting to do to you know to visit her he kind of bailed on her and you know then of course um with her with ginger being incredibly jealous of simone and um, you know, seeing her and Darren together, I guess I can kind of understand, but it shouldn't really, um, pl- it shouldn't really get in the way of, you know, for somebody who really needs help, especially band members. You know, band members deserve to have just as much attention as the football players, and that wasn't really Ginger's focus in this episode, and it kind of frustrated me. Absolutely. Like, what does this episode do, right? So it's the third to last episode of the show. It doesn't really do much of anything in terms of character development. I guess it develops the community a little bit. We get to see where their high school's priorities truly lie. And we get to see the Ginger, Darren sort of, they kind of come together by the end in a way that, you know, Jaren shows a gesture of goodwill. But up until that point, Darren's really just kind of awful. Yeah, Darren is really awful in this episode. He goes up he goes against Ginger, wanting to keep the uniforms, does everything from making announcements and calling out to people saying, "Hey, we're giving away low-fat smoothies. Check out the assembly group right after school, and you can be able to see me perform in these sweat resist in these say resistant uniforms." He's using his popularity to get back at Ginger, and we've already established in many uh, many times throughout the um, the discussion of the second half of season three that Ginger's having a really tough time in high school and she's seen as this she's seen by the teachers as this slacker who gets into a lot of trouble and she doesn't really have a lot of new friends outside of Orion so pretty much not a lot of people know about Ginger and when she's trying to convince everybody to sign off these um the signatures for the band she only gets like a handful of signatures meanwhile with Darren who's already gained popularity from being on the football team and going out with a cheerleader he already has the higher up he's acting like a complete jerk uh, throughout this episode and it's and he and dare i say it he's actually pretty unlikable yeah he absolutely is and it was nice to see a little bit of old darren at the end when he says you know they were kind of itchy if you ask me besides they were tearing the school apart to me that that's the admittance that darren shut this whole thing down but it sucks that it took a football player and there's some 
maybe it isn't. I don't know. It feels like there's some sexism in there inherently, too, that once Darren didn't want them, it was all fine. But when when Ginger raised a fuss, no one cared. I felt that the ending was a complete cop-out. Right. It kind of is. Because what changes? What makes him decide? We don't really see any introspection or anything that makes him think, maybe I should stop being awful to my childhood best friend and, you know, until recently, my girlfriend. Yeah, it it doesn't really make a lot of sense in the long run. I guess he decided to do it as maybe trying to keep the peace, but nowhere in the episode was he at the least hinting on that. Uh-huh. All right, let's go over to the Carl and Hoodsy plot because the Carl plot is actually pretty fascinating. So we know that throughout the second half of season three, Carl is trying to act more mature. He's trying to do different things that isn't involving with doing gross and strange things. In his, he keeps hearing voices in his head to do bad things. He hears um, a snake saying, let me come free. He, hear, he sees um, Brandon's underwear saying, like, give me an ultimate wedgie he sees a kid's shoelaces untying saying trip me carl let's have fun again like the old days and carl is trying to ignore his um evil thoughts in his head and he's struggling with it which again this is so fascinating i think that this makes a lot of sense because in butterflies are free he really tried to mature himself as a character and throughout this entire series um and 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 Throughout season three, he's trying to become a stable kid. He's, you know, hanging out more with Dr. Dave, and he had a brief, um, he had a brief time with Buddy, so he's trying to better himself. Yeah, I thought the sort of dichotomy of, you know, Carl... With the youth and maturity argument that he's having with himself right now. No, I'm a middle schooler now. I have to be better. I'm becoming a man. I'm not going to do all these old annoying things, but he still wants to do them. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense because, you know, Carl is, you know, uh, you know, to say the title, he's in between childhood and adolescence. Right. And he does, you know, ultimately, him and Hoodsy's plan goes horribly wrong. Well, not so much for them, but for Ginger. And there's that unfortunate A and B plot intersection there. That's kind of devastating. Oh, yeah. And he's even very devastating for Courtney. But we'll we'll get to that. Yes. So, uh, speaking of Courtney. So, because she was teased by the cheerleaders and she was told to not visit the the bathrooms throughout the entire school year, she decides that she's going to get her own personalized porta potty And she's going to put it in the vice principal's spot, uh, whom the vice principal we saw in the episode Detention, who was treating Ginger like a complete jerk and pretty, mu- pretty much calls her a complete troublemaker. And so he complains to Courtney that he wants her to get the porta potty right out of his parking spot. But Courtney says, I will not do so until you help fix off this problem. And then, you know, she even has the local news on her side. Yeah, it's it's pretty excessive. But isn't that always how it is with her? Yeah, it's true. You, 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 I mean, Courtney and excessive are pretty much toe and toe. The bathroom scene is pretty brutal, but it also makes sense. Courtney would come into high school with an attitude and upperclassmen would hate her for it. So I I do buy it. Yeah, I mean, it was consistent with the episode, The Right Stuff, in which when Courtney was in high school French class, the high school students could not stand her because she felt they felt that she was incredibly 
um, overconfident with being around Will Patterson and the way that she was acting. So I guess you know her being um you know her being a freshman in high school and thinking that her popularity was going to continue on towards high school was proven very wrong in uh you know the second half of season 3 in which she hasn't been treated the best yeah she hasn't that's true but we also had used that time well cuz we did give a bunch of yays and a a map but a more positive mass so clearly they did something right with the time that would have been spent on Courtney Yeah, I suppose so. Uh, So Ginger is continuing to try to convince the other students to join the cause of saving the band. But nothing's working because everybody is so crazy over Darren and his, um, you know, and, you know, his uh, speeches. And even Macy is convinced about um, Darren's speeches. You know, nobody, uh, Ginger pretty much has nobody on her side. Orion drinks one of Darren's smoothies. Macy is compelled with Darren's speeches and Dodie poor poor Dodie and I'm saying this sarcastically she prefers to join up with the pep squad members as opposed to siding with Ginger and Macy so she pretty much abandons them pretty quickly yeah (laughs) yeah she does um oh just one last little quotable thing that I forgot about uh Ginger's sign is great in the protest Mozart really knew how to score (laughs) I thought that was funny given the football nature. And then when Macy goes over to drink a smoothie from Darren, uh, Ginger kind of collapses and goes, Et tu, Macy? Et tu? A Julius Caesar reference. (laughs) Emily seems to like throwing in her, her theatrical references. Yeah, that is true. And the same thing in Hey Arnold, in which um, when Phoebe decides to um, join the girls for the uh, for Rhonda's, um, you know, um, makeup party and um, they're making fun of Helga while Helga's like watching in the the, the background and she, Phoebe's laughing. And then Helga even says, at two, Phoebe, at two. Yeah. And it makes sense for both of those characters who are well read and smart and a little dramatic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so continuing with Carl and Hoodsy's plot, so Carl is continuously hearing the voices in his head telling him to do bad things, and he doesn't want to, but then he comes up with a great idea. They said that they would not do anything bad for their middle school, but they didn't say anything about any other school, so they decided to pull off a crazy hijink for the high school. And so they see Courtney's porta potty thinking it belongs to the vice principal and they're going to push it um they're they're thinking about pushing it away and it just so happens to be during a football game and Darren is about to um you know catch the winning goal but then you know Carlin Hoodsy actually pushed the um the porta potty into the way Darren runs over it and every, all over everybody's staring at it and of course you know Ginger's trying to you know, uh, save the band by wearing an ear costume with a sign about, like, you know, please don't be deaf to music, and nobody's paying attention to her. And even Darren has that look thinking that, oh, man, Carlin Hoodsy pushed a porta potty in my way, so he thinks that maybe Ginger was involved, even though that she wasn't. And so she took off the costume and she walked away. And yeah, like I said before, the episode ends on a cop-out in which they don't want the uniforms anymore. And most likely, Darren was the one who convinced them. And Carl and Hoodsy's plot pretty much stop. I mean, we don't even see about them feeling guilty about, you know, ending the football game or, you know, their consequences or whatever. It just abruptly ends. 
Yeah, you'd think more would have come of that, a football game ending in a town that clearly cares so much about it. And, you know, Ginger would have been pissed at him. Yeah, I guess this isn't Friday Night Lights. Yeah, I guess not. Okay, so yeah, we're done. So, man, this episode was just so frustrating to watch. I just couldn't get a hold of it. I found it kind of boring. Uh, I found it both boring and frustrating, and I don't like this episode. I'm going to give it a nay, because this plot is frustrating. The the ginger plot just feels like a, you know, like a diet version of sibling revelry, in which she's trying to fight for a good cause, but then the cause backfires. But at least ginger was trying to do good for the students, thinking that, oh, maybe, um, you know, the students would do well if they were paired up with an older, uh, you know, an older um, high school student but no the only reason why she's doing this is because she wants to get revenge at darren not because she wants to help macy not because she wants to help with the band but because she wants to get back at darren for all the stuff that darren did but we can't get we can't side with darren either because he's so unlikable in this episode he tries so hard to sabotage ginger's goal of trying to get the band back with their budget but they care so much about their stain resistant uniforms that they're gonna have assembly meetups with darren showing off his skills and fat-free smoothies and you know and then of course um it just pretty much just oh they're not interested in their football uniforms anymore okay Yeah, suddenly. And I guess it makes sense because Darren's this, like, king now of the team. But he's still a freshman. It would be weird that he could have that much sway over it. Well, he is a Patterson, after all. True. With his father being um, one of the best athletes in Lucky High back in the day, and Will Patterson being a great football player. So he has that Patterson lineage. So I guess that's why he has so much power now. It's kind of funny yeah, considering yeah. that the first two seasons, it was all about the Griplings, in which how her family had so much power that they could do anything. But now Darren has all the popularity and power. Yeah, that's true. That is an interesting sway and courtney doesn't rule anything anymore which considering that you know courtney is the rich girl and she's so popular but you know and darren was just some weirdo kid with the headgear but now the the, now everything is reversed in which nobody cares about courtney because she's such a snob and darren is popular because now not only does he have the headgear removed but he's all bulked up he's in the football team he has his father's and brother's lineage so yeah he pretty much does really so yeah he pretty much is the popular guy now and he takes it to a whole nother level of just absolute overconfidence in which yeah he just comes across as pretty unlikable and uh, the Carlin Hoodsie plot, um, it was leading up to something so interesting, but then it all falls apart when they decided to push off that porta potty into the football field. And at the end, not only embarrassing Darren for trying to get the winning, uh, winning catch, but embarrassing Courtney as well, which Courtney clearly didn't deserve. Yeah. Those are all very valid criticisms. It's also a gentle nay from me. I'm mostly on the the boring aspect. Like, I was ready for an episode about music to really hit home with me. And it mostly just made me upset about how little towns and school systems prioritize the arts and how much that's affected our country. And I, I was hoping there would be a glimmer of hope besides a football player deciding to stick his neck out for the the music side of things. And... Really, I wish there had been more of a message about coming together because I was lucky to go to a high school where 
the you know marching band was on the t-shirts and like it was all about marching cheer and football it was such a cohesive experience and everyone respected each other on at least in that one thing uh so it's kind of kind of hard to watch from that aspect it also wasn't particularly dramatically interesting for me all around we don't learn a lot about any of these characters in their relationships yeah and also we can make the argument that the second, yes, it is true that the second half of season three is a lot more dramatic, but at least we took something out of it. At least it continued off from the, you know, from a previous episode or it would continue on in the following episode. Like, yes, it is true that, you know, Fair Too Cloudy was, again, really dramatic with Ginger acting incredibly tough to Darren. But at the same time, it shows us about how the relationship is kind of rocky at this point and would lead up to other episodes. Stuff will kill you. Leads up into the first episode, uh, the first days of middle school and high school for Ginger and, and Carl, and detention where we meet up with Orion. Kiss today goodbye, in which you know Darren goes out with Simone and Dodie takes her pep squad cheerleading a little bit more seriously. A lesson in tightropes, in which Ginger gets appendicitis and Carl wants to have Doctor Dave as his um, father figure. Dodie's big break in which we do truly see the, um, the the length that Dodie would do to become a pep squad member, even so much as betraying her friends. And, you know, Carl, you know, meeting up with, um, you know, be- uh, with Buddy to do some real estate to see if maybe he wants to, you know, change the pace a little bit. And yeah, this episode, it pretty much gives us nothing. We don't take anything out of it. And next week, it's never really brought up again. So this episode is sort of pointless. Right, which makes sense that it never aired. (laughs) In a sense, I'm kind of glad that it didn't air because this episode is just really not that necessary. All right, well, next week we'll have the episode 10 shares, episode 57 of the series, our episode 54. Thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you then.